Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This episode is on the short side, as I wanted to get it out the door before our annual conference for nonprofits kicks off on November 11th. At the conference, you'll be able to find dozens of talented speakers, and Temple Elliott is no exception. I have a sample of her presentation, Optimizing Your Mid-Level Donors, for you today, though you should really see her in person or online to get the full impact. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Temple Elliott, BlackBot Fundraising Solutions, and welcome. Thank you for joining this webcast on Optimizing Your Mid-Level Donors. A little bit about my background. I've been the director of a mid-level program at two different national organizations, one an international development organization and one environmental I was also the director of a large direct marketing program, and one of our objectives was to feed a mid-level and a major gifts program. In addition, I was membership director at a large sports association. One of the jobs there was to integrate membership with a new foundation organization, a major gifts organization. Currently, I'm a fundraising consultant to national and regional organizations all over the country. I'd like to set the stage a bit before we actually talk about the mid-level donor. These are facts that you probably know, but they bear repeating as we speak about getting larger gifts from our donors. First, as you know, we're in the middle of the greatest intergenerational transfer of wealth ever. We've seen a significant growth of wealth in the middle class, and we've seen different ways of giving that really were not around 10 years ago. Family foundations, donor-advised funds, electronic applications, personalized web pages, team fundraising. Donors have innumerable options available to them, and they're in the driver's seat. The opportunity for four- and five-figure gifts has increased, and the channels for securing four- and five-figure gifts have broadened immensely. Average gifts are higher than ever before, but the donor population is declining. But there's a fundamental question here, and that's whether donors themselves have changed. Well, here's a little bit about what we know. We know that donors in the baby boomer generation give to fewer charities than their parents did, and their parents were a traditional direct mail generation. Boomers give to two to four charities on average, whereas their parents gave to seven to nine different charities annually. Boomers tend to want a personal connection, a hands-on relationship with their charity of choice, and they demand accountability At the same time, they're very busy. So they want the facts, they want them clear and succinct. And they're most characterized by their investment mentality. These folks are looking for a clear return on their contribution. So the session today is going to focus on the following topics. First, what is a mid-level donor? What is the mid-level and why should we care about them? I'm going to talk a little bit about how you might identify a mid-market segment or mid-level segment in your organization. Learn how to get a little more personal when you have a large portfolio and pick up some communication tips to enhance your program. And finally, we'll examine some options for structuring a program internally. Why do we care? Well, we care because fundraising efficiency increases as the gift level rises. We're looking at a traditional donor pyramid. On the face of the pyramid, small sum donors at the bottom being the largest number of constituents and principal gifts or significant transformational gifts, sometimes it's called, being at the top. We know that as giving levels increase, the cost per dollar raised, the efficiency gets better. On the side of the pyramid, we're looking at four different channels through which people give and through which we solicit. And we see as we go from front to back that the cost per donor 
between web and personal cultivation, the cost per donor increases. Now, why does this matter? It matters because donors really care. And they have the resources now to understand and learn about fundraising efficiency. Organizations like CharityNavigator.com have made it very simple for donors to form an opinion about how well we are spending the funds that they give us. So that having been said, how do we define the mid-level? The first question I know you're expecting me to answer is, what is the giving level that defines the mid-level donor? And I'm going to answer it by asking uh, a number of questions. What is the giving level? What is it for your organization? Is it $1,000 to $10,000 or is it $500 to 1000 Is it a cumulative measure? Is it a single gift? The highest gift in a lifetime? Is it a gift raised by an individual or given by an individual or is it from a team or a family? Is the measurement only money that defines the mid-level donor? I'd like to propose to you that it's not only money, but it's actually about building donor commitment. The slide you're looking at, I call the relationship circle. Imagine that this is a top-down view of the fundraising pyramid with three concentric circles, the center of which is the most committed donor. And the external ring, the farthest out, is the least committed. Our job as fundraisers is to make the journey between the circumference of the circle to the middle, to facilitate a donor's journey on that track. And we call that the commitment continuum. Stated in our terms, we might also call it retention. And I would suggest that retention and repeating gifts or activities are two areas that we need to focus on. In the center of the circle, we would have people who've given the largest gifts, our major donors, of course, four-figure, five-figure, bequests, perhaps senior volunteers such as board members, whatever the size of their giving. We'd have organizations or individuals represented. And in the mid-level, we might have three- to four-figure gifts. But also we would have folks who have not just given three- to four-figure gifts, but who have demonstrated consistency of giving and who have been evaluated as having a capacity to continue at that level or do more. In the external circle, smaller gifts, although they may be frequent, Folks who like to advocate online for us and regularly do so. Grassroots events or team fundraising. The external edge of the circle is, of course, the entry point for new donors who come to us from all different sources. Let's go back to the pyramid again to look at what has always been a very popular donor segmentation of the pyramid. On the bottom, we have the small sum or annual fund group. On the top, we have the major donors. And the demarcation point is a $1,000 single gift. For many, many organizations, this is still the model. On the right, we look at communication techniques for those two halves of the pyramid. The low-touch techniques, direct mail, public events, team fundraising. And on the high-touch side, personal visits, black-tie events, proposals. But what's wrong with this picture? Well, there are some issues. First, it's been demonstrated in a number of organizations that a single gift alone is not always predictive of future behavior. I'm sure every one of you listening to this has seen a situation where you received a $1,000 gift or more, and it was a one-time event. And no matter what you did, that donor was not going to give another $1,000. Conversely, I know that we've all had experiences where a person who has been a $25 donor for their lifetime 
leaves a million-dollar bequest. The single gift alone is not enough to predict future behavior. Another problem with the popular view, it led folks to move donors out of direct marketing streams uh, the moment a $1,000 gift was given. And that sudden interruption most often resulted in a precipitous drop in their giving. Some donors are annoyed by personal contact and would actually prefer to stay in a direct mail stream. This has to be carefully handled. A transition to personal contact is very important. In the popular view, uh, we had basically a one-way ticket to major gifts. $1,000 gave you the one-way ticket. And often there was no plan for people who didn't give again. So major gift officers would become overloaded and create major gift mailings in order to keep annual gifts coming. Then an organization had two mailing programs. So most organizations have come back to the notion of having a focused mid-level program as a proving ground for majors, as a staging area for major gifts, and doing that with a combination of major gift techniques and small sum techniques. Often still, the $1,000 gift defines the demarcation between small sum and mid-level, but there's a way that you can bring more to that equation. Let me give you a couple of real-life examples, just to take a break here. The example is a large national health organization. They tested two constituent segments, high-dollar direct mail donors and event participants. They took the group, they reduced the direct mail stream, which was mostly solicitations. They increased the informational communication stream, the notion being that more information was what donors wanted and would eventually lead to them giving at the same level or a higher level than direct marketing. The results, a reduced mail stream, dramatically reduced annual donor value, and the organization couldn't sustain annual budgets using this strategy. They did find, however, that in the event participant group, informational mailings increased the long-term donor value and increased total revenue from that segment. It also did not depress revenue in and of itself for direct mail donors. Be sure to check Temple out at the Conference for Nonprofits or look for her online at webseminars.blackbaud.com. Switching gears now, I'd like to roll right into our Customer Spotlight segment featuring Jim Moore, president of the University of Arizona Foundation. Jim oversees a development program that generates more than $120 million annually in private funding for the University of Arizona. Melanie had a chance to chat with him. Let's take a listen. Today I'm joined by Jim Moore, president of the University of Arizona Foundation. Thank you for chatting with me today, Jim. My pleasure. According to BlackBud's State of the Nonprofit Industry survey, the majority of nonprofits consistently report recruiting new donors and finding funding to serve missions are of top priority. We've asked Jim to talk to us today about his current position at the University of Arizona Foundation and how they are addressing these challenges. Jim, how do you describe the many functions of the UA Foundation? Well, we like to talk about the work we do here at the Foundation really as three fundamental priorities. Obviously, we raise money for the University of Arizona, and fundraising is extremely important, and that's one of uh, one of our major challenges, obviously, you know, uh, just like any institution you know, uh, that uh, provides 
uh, the kind of higher education experience we provide here. So we, we raise money for the university. We obviously have to manage those gifted assets that people uh, entrust us with, and then we also manage relationships. What are some of your general observations about development work and fundraising? Well, there's quite a bit of competition out there. We have a number of charities, new charities, and more charities that are soliciting support from donors. Certainly we have increased need in in terms of our case for support in in the higher education sector. Uh, We at at public universities in particular have to deal with uh, issues of of rising costs and limited, if not in some cases, uh, reduced support from the states. Uh, So uh, you know, those kinds of things are, are you know, very uh, are critical issues for us in this business. And we've also seen some uh, differences in the way donors uh, are engaged with, with their charities and their institutions. They tend to be a little bit more uh, involved, which we think is great, uh, and uh, want to, to be connected more to the charities that they support and are interested in the investments that they're making. You, know, you, you don't tend to, to see too terribly many donors that... Uh, make large gifts particularly and just say, uh, here you go, at university, do with it, which, which you think is most important. We see some of that, but, but it, more importantly, it's let's talk about how this can make this, uh, this institution a better place and, and then keep me posted. And, and, uh, uh, so there's a level of accountability out there, I think, today that perhaps uh, is, is greater than per- perhaps historically we've seen. So it sounds like uh, you're saying there's more of an engaged constituent. So how have you responded to the changes in the donor expectations? Well, you need to communicate with people. You need to make sure that they're informed. We need to make sure that uh, yeah, you, you educate your donors so they understand uh, the importance of, of the investments that they're making. And so we spent a lot of time talking about stewardship. We spent time, time working with uh, uh, on-campus constituent groups and letting them know how important they are in the development process and a lot of times uh, university staff and faculty don't realize that they are, uh, in, in some cases, the most significant factor in a donor's decision to invest. So uh, so I, we've really just tried to spend more time thinking about how do we steward these relationships and, and move more from uh, managing relationships more than dealing with just gift transactions. And so I'm sure an emphasis is really placed on the people that are on the front lines uh, as far as your development team. What type of qualities do you look for when recruiting members for that team? Well, you know, that's a tough challenge for us today. Finding more fundraisers is is certainly a a big issue, I think, at any institution, large or small. People who understand the, the development business are committed to uh, being professionals in, in this business, and so you know, we, we look for for people who think that uh, they'd like to to uh, have a career in development and advancement, and uh, you know, obviously people who are, are good with people and, and uh, interact well with a variety of different constituent groups. A lot of times, people think because they may be able to carry a conversation. Uh, that they, they'd be a good fundraiser. Someone might tell them, just you know, you can you can talk about anything. You want to get in the development business, but really, a good fundraiser is someone I think who has the ability to listen and understand what uh, what a donor may be interested in, and and how to help a faculty member perhaps position a case. So, uh, so we think people with good listening skills, communication skills are obviously important, and and uh, you know, it's a tough business today. You got to you got to be willing to work hard and. You know, also not be someone looking for a lot of credit. You know, we're facilitators. I kind of like to say that our job is to make the, the faculty members look good, put the, the university's leadership in a position uh, 
that makes them look good and, and donors feel good about investing in the people of the institution. And, and so, so there's not a lot of uh, opportunity to sit back and take a lot of credit for things in this business. And what type of tools have you given your team in the recent years as far as technology, and how has that changed the way that your development officers manage donor relations? Well, we're, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at trying to utilize technology as best we can to uh, make sure that our fundraisers and our, our stewardship staff, all the donor relations team, our information systems folks and accounting team have the, the resources they need to, to do their jobs. And so we're, you know, we're obviously looking at uh, all of our data systems. And, you know, and I know this isn't a plug for, for BlackBot, but uh, we certainly believe the information system and the Razor's Edge product that we purchased will give our, our entire development active team across campus the opportunity to be better engaged, uh, more strategically engaged, and uh, help us manage our progress with, with our donor base and, and potential donors. Uh, so you know, data is extremely important and um, technology is extremely important, but you, you know, you've got to put it in place and, and give, uh, you know, give people a chance to use it. We spend some time with training uh, our folks on how to use the technology that's out there. Uh, we've spent more time thinking about research, prospect research, and uh, trying to identify people and uh, uh, prospects who may have an interest in investing in the institution. And, uh, so there are a number of different uh, opportunities out there today that uh, uh, fundraisers uh, have to, to help them do their work that, that they didn't have even 10 years ago, and so uh, we're obviously uh, trying to stay ahead of the curve there, and I uh, think we're making strides in the right direction. So what are some of the things you've accomplished at UA, and what's what's happening now? Uh, well, we have a new president who's been here just a year now, and Dr. Robert Shelton, and his vision is to continue to build on the successes that we've experienced here at the U of A and improve uh, even, even greater on those, those accomplishments. And I know you've had a lot of great accomplishments. How do you celebrate those successes and convey them back to your supporters? The key would be to, to make sure that we're communicating consistently with the, the things that we're doing as well as our uh, alumni association and our external relations program and, and working together with the new vice president for external relations, Steve McCarthy, and our new alumni association president, Chris Vlahos. Uh, we, we are having uh, discussions about how we share our, our, our messages with our, our constituent groups through print media, the web, um, spending time just talking to, to uh, the deans and uh, uh, visiting with, with university leaders to make sure that, that the success stories that, that we have here are, are able to be told with uh, consistency and, and clarity. Well, it does sound like an exciting time for the university. Thank you for sharing your story with us, and I wish you continued success. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Temple Elliott, Jim Moore, and Melanie Malonis. If you have any feedback, please send us an email at thebodcast at blackbot.com. Look for more episodes of the podcast in November, as we'll be putting together lots of interesting content from BlackBot's conference for nonprofits. Until then, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast.